Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Under the A Umbrella podcast, hosted by WeWe Media Group. We're the first network based in Asia to bring you all the insider news on everything affiliate related. Wherever you are in podcast land, we hope this podcast brings value to you and your business, no matter what vertical you're running. Don't forget to share this episode with your friends and fellow affiliates, because the more we share, the more value we can bring to the industry. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the first podcast episode of 2020. And I, I couldn't think of a better guest to start with. I'm here with uh, Manu Chinka, um, CEO and founder of What the AF Newsletter. Um, it's something that I read on the daily. Um, you know, I've been keeping up with Manu from a distance and I, I really appreciate, you know, what he puts together and the product that he's put together over the past a uh, couple years and, um, you know, he's shed some light and always dropped knowledge bombs on me uh, every morning or 1, 1 p.m. CET. So um, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to have you um, and just say hello to the podcast world. Well, hello, everyone. And uh, hello, John. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to be here. And it's uh, cool to be like the first guest of, uh, of uh, 2020, first guest of the new decade, even, you know, like you can always make it seem yeah. better than it is. So exactly. <laughs> pretty cool to be here. And uh, yeah, I appreciate uh, the kind words. Uh, I'm glad you like uh, what we're doing with uh, what yeah. So yeah, uh, so how, looking forward to our chat. How did you spend New Year's uh, this year? Well, uh, I went to Romania and spent it with my family. So uh, I only visit about once a year. And then like once a year, they visit me. I'm originally from Romania and I live in uh, Austria. So that's why mm-hmm. it's like winter holidays are generally with the family, both Christmas and New Year's. And mm-hmm. then aside from that, maybe they visit me one time in summer or so or whenever we have time. So that that's uh, in a way like nothing, no, no crazy parties, nothing uh, too eventful, just uh, chilling with the family. I mean, sometimes that's better than uh, a vacation, especially when you live away from from your family for most of the year. Going back is always a uh, refreshing. Uh, and yeah, a good yeah to, exactly. Good way to close out and a good way to start the the new year or the new decade, as as we put it. So, um, yeah. So let's just jump right into it. Um, I don't know if everybody is familiar with with your journey to uh, your stage now, but um, can you tell us a little bit about the background? Um, and kind of your experience in the industry to date? Yeah, sure. So uh, I've been in the industry since, uh, uh, I would put it like officially launched my first affiliate marketing campaign on the 1st of May, 2015. Uh So it's going to be close to five years soon. Um, And since then, since starting with the mobile display, went through the typical phases where over the couple of years, these five years, I also uh, ran a lot of pops, well, a lot of display at the beginning, then a lot of pops, um, which uh, were essentially like the trendy thing back then. Yeah. And then uh, uh, mobile apps. So I used to promote... um, the, the two biggest apps that were around back then to promote were uh, Battery Saver and Battery Doctor. So both yeah, of those. Say, something in the utility genre. Yeah, I mean, yeah exactly. When, uh, when Google wasn't so strict and uh, it was a little bit more of a free-for-all and, you know, they, weren't, they didn't have all these uh, tools to, uh, I guess, measure quality and they weren't so strict on quality and they were just, you know, really looking for volume and, those are the good days. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they were kind of probably like in hindsight, I mean, 
knowing it now, like they were probably burning money paying affiliates so much, but uh, yeah, it is what it is. So mm -hmm. a lot of affiliates had a good time still. So um, you came back from, I mean, you, I mean, I did some research before this uh, podcast episode and I noticed that you used to play poker before. Um, and then from poker, you went on to become an affiliate. Am I correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And then from, then a head of operations at STM Forum. Yeah, 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 that's true. So uh, there's one step in between between poker player and affiliate. There was also uh, trying to build a software development company here in Vienna. That's like the reason I moved here. But that's uh, okay. something less related to marketing. And yeah, I think it's more like, you know, trying some stuff out. First company ever, like first project ever. A lot of pivoting, mm -hmm. things don't work out. And then you switch to something else. And yeah, affiliate marketing was the one thing that actually worked pretty well. Mm -hmm. So from the head of operations of the STM uh, forum, what, what exactly were your duties there? Uh, so it was mostly like day-to-day -day stuff as in, okay, what sort of uh, tutorials do we need more? What sort of content? So who can write it? Like who can we partner with or who on the team can write that? Um, aside from that, working with a few from uh, Team Manila, which uh, STM has, like they have an own office in Manila there with a lot of uh, coders, designers, marketing people. So like some... A uh, very good talent. Oh, nice! Working I'm in Manila right now, actually. Oh, cool! So, <laughs> working on things like, okay, how do we also work on acquiring more users? How do we work on so the, the content part was more like on the retention side of things, and also working on trying to acquire new users. So, it was probably still the biggest team that I worked with because there were around like twelve people. Let's say, uh, you mm -hmm. know, like you can always. Since iStack is so big, you can always count someone only half or so, but there we can say it was over 10 people uh, working yeah. with them on both uh, content side of things and um, new user acquisition side of things. Mm -hmm. And aside from that, daily things were also just contributing to the forum from my own knowledge. So like I was still running uh, campaigns back then. So it's always things that I found out that were interesting to share with uh, ah. everyone in the community as well. So it was pretty flexible as well. So you're head of operations and you were able to have a little bit of freedom and run campaigns on the side. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, everyone like on the team there is pretty flexible. And so even like in, in my case, right, like uh, myself being one of the team leaders there, it was important to actually know what's going on in the industry. So uh, exactly, I was still running exactly. campaigns and uh, even now like uh, Vortex and Matulo, who are uh, two of the head moderators there, they also run campaigns as well. So it's, it's not even, it's like even uh, encouraged, right? Because the better you are up to date with things, the better it is with the, with the, for the community as well, so. I mean, I mean uh, on a side note, I used to, my first uh, job in the industry was actually with F5 Media. And um, oh, cool. you know, with the same owners as STM. So I guess you were mm -hmm. sister companies away. And I, I started late 2014. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, we, we were part of the same kind of holding company, I would say. And, um, you know, we always, when I was at F5, I always remember trying to leverage STM and how we would get a, you know, a massive funnel of affiliates there. And, um, yeah, I had a great time at F5 and, you know, I, I enjoyed working with the owners like Lorenzo, Jordan, oh, man, this is bringing back a lot of memories. It's a long time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So yeah, we were connected somehow back then, but we didn't even know it. So. Yeah, I met um, quite a few other people who said like, yeah, I had my start in the affiliate world with, 
with the uh, F5 media back in the day. And yeah, it's cool to see that uh, there's still quite a few people who have been in the industry since then. Yeah, yeah. Everybody kind of branched off and is, is kind of doing, um, you know, their own thing respectively. But it's cool to see, you know, the, where, where they started from. Yeah, so, yeah, sure. I mean, it looks like that you have a, a broad view of the industry, being an affiliate, being a, a heavily involved with the STM forum. Um, I guess, where did you see this opportunity uh, for what the app newsletter and kind of what was your trigger and your turning point of like, hey, look, I'm onto something, I believe in something and, uh, and I'm going to go for it? Uh, well, it, it, was, um, it wasn't exactly as smooth as uh, one would think from the outside. Uh, so at the end of uh, 2018, I think it was, was it 2018? Yeah. Um, my thinking was at, at the end of the year when uh, looking to see like, okay, what do I do in the new year? Do I want to continue with the STM forum? Uh, what sort of, you know, kind of thinking about my future in general. So the conclusion I kind of came to was that it's, it's the time for me because it was even before and it was like, it was still a good time. And I learned a lot with the STM forum, but it seemed to me like that's the time when, I can still work on my own project, something that is, you know, fully in control by me. Like it's not running affiliate offers. It's not mm -hmm. working on someone else's business or working on my own business, like still young mm -hmm. enough, no commitments, no anything like that. So mm -hmm. that's the period where I have to still try for the next couple of years um, or maybe even more. It depends how it goes, but it just seemed like, okay, it's not the time to commit to, uh, something that's still like as flexible as it is, it's still a job. So mm -hmm. uh, I just had that sort of, uh, sort of it's, fire in me. And yeah. uh, then, then over the next few months until around end of April of that year, I tried uh, several things. So it wasn't like, okay, what the F came to be. It's like that, that's the idea that uh, I'm going to do. It was more trying uh, all sorts of things from informational products, from lead generation, all these sort of things. And then I mm -hmm. ran into a newsletter called Morning Brew. And mm -hmm. Morning Brew is, for those familiar with what, yeah, it's, it's essentially the same concept, uh, but they focus on business and financial news. So mm -hmm. when I first read that, uh, it seemed to me like a very good update for everyone who would be interested in investing in finance and business. Mm -hmm. And it struck the idea like, okay, is there anything like this for affiliates? Do we have something like this for our industry? Because it probably would be cool instead of, you know, going through a bunch of Facebook groups and stuff like that. Yeah. And so it, there, there wasn't. It <laughs> a lot of how uh, it started. Yeah. And it, I mean, I find it extremely helpful because instead of scouring the internet for, you know, trends and jumping to different forums, I just got to read yours. And I feel like I did my due diligence of keeping up with the times in the industry because, I mean, you and I both know it's, you know, a very fast paced industry. Things happen very quickly. Restrictions, you know, uh, affect the industry like, you know, within that week that they drop uh, a new restriction or anything like that or yeah, yeah. Like any changes. So having something that's sent out on a regular basis that, you know, that doesn't have that much fluff. There's no fluff. It's actually all very good content that's, that's useful for people. Um, and yeah, so, it, you know, good job with what you've been doing so far. And I feel like, you know, it, it's, it's definitely got legs for longevity for sure. Thanks for that. Well, hopefully let's see, let's see how things go now. We we've, we're entering our second full year now. So we've had a year and a half uh, on it. Now 
the first uh, so first full year went by and now we have uh, we've learned a lot and we have uh, more plans for it this year but i guess it's uh, it's something that i cannot talk about too much yet it's going to be how just, many uh, it's going to come up so how many subscribers do you guys have now uh, right now we're a bit over 9000 active subscribers so uh, we nice we've grown okay like at the beginning i thought that we might be able to do more quicker but one thing mm -hmm. i've noticed is that it's way more important how many people actually read the thing every day mm -hmm. instead of having a lot of subscribers so we tend to be very aggressive when it comes to list hygiene and if people don't open it uh, they drop off it's fine to just unsubscribe them or like delete yeah complete and, the list and mm -hmm. focusing on those who you know regularly read and we have people coming back afterwards i've noticed like unsubscribing and then subscribing again which is totally fine that's the whole point like mm -hmm. if they drop off we learn from uh, how many people drop off and their reasoning for dropping off try to improve and then if they come back they hopefully stay longer yeah it's definitely a good approach to have like a quality over quantity approach um and i think it takes a little bit of um experience to 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 it's a little bit slower but i would say it's a more quality process and your audience is much more in tune and it's better to have a, a strong following than you know a massive list that no one cares about really yeah and the other thing is with uh, with email specifically it's if you have a massive list but it kind of drops off and uh, people don't open and don't engage with your emails it's kind of a, a very very quick like an avalanche thing instantly mm -hmm. people start getting their emails instead of getting them in their inbox get into promos or even worse into spam. And then mm -hmm. even people who kind of engage at the beginning, they drop off because, you know, they're, let's say borderline in Google's al algorithm for deliverability. And then it gets sent to the worst uh, tab and then nobody opens mm -hmm. it. And it's kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to keep it. If you want high open rates and good engagement, you kind of have to do this. Um, and of course it's, it's something that you have to think, okay, you, you need a good enough retention to still grow but um that's the other thing you cannot say i will keep everyone on the list until they unsubscribe because that's not going to work out usually for deliverability mm -hmm. so when when you started off uh what the f uh, was it just you or did you work with any other co-founders as well uh, so i still work with a few of the guys that i did affiliate marketing with that i partnered with here in vienna Mm -hmm. So we started out as a proof of concept. Okay, let's write it in a Google document for ourselves first. So it was uh, just us here. Then uh, I asked a few people in the industry that I knew, specifically like 10 people with, mm -hmm. you know, from affiliates to affiliate managers, traffic source partners and stuff like that. So you get like a somewhat broad view of the industry mm -hmm. and ask them like, okay, subscribe to this, uh, to this email list. This is what we're, you're going to get. 10, uh, like one email a day for five days now, 10 people only get it. I want your feedback to see like, is this good for you as someone who's working in the industry? And that was a big change, you know, from concept to actually getting people's feedback on it. And for about four to five months, it was just uh, us in Vienna, then looked into hiring more writers to see like, um, since we do it, we do this every weekday. Mm -hmm. I, and I was doing a lot of writing as well. You know, at some point you kind of have to think, okay, how can we make this into a business that doesn't have one single point of failure, which at that point would have been me. So mm -hmm. more people that can write. And then at the same time, 
since more people can write, I can focus on other things like uh, looking at how we can grow our subscriber base, like how we can get more advertisers in the newsletter to monetize better, things like that. So um, yeah, yeah well, uh, started with co-founders and then started hiring step by step, depending on kind of how we've seen that we need, like where to put the priority. Mm -hmm. And it's always difficult sometimes that transition period where you're, you know, you're very hands-on, but it's not scalable if you continue you know, writing if you're the only writer. And I, I'm, I'm sure it was uh, pretty difficult to find someone that can write in your tone that you also kind of, that you feel matches the tone of, of the newsletter. Um, so how big is the company now uh, over, uh, since you started, how many, how many employees do you have? Is it everybody based in Vienna or are you guys uh, spread out? Do you have remote workers as well? Uh, so we're very distributed. Uh, we're seven people and we're from like five countries or something like that. So oh, wow. uh, five countries and two continents. And I don't know how many time zones exactly, but around four to five time zones as well. So because um, we didn't yeah. like we never we don't have an office in Vienna. Everyone works from home. And mm -hmm. uh, the whole point was like when we tried to hire writers, we first looked in Vienna just to see if it were easier to find like a, part-time students who are interested in writing mm -hmm. and see if we could train them and see how that goes. Uh, but the issue with part-time students is that they are part-time and they, they're not, they're not around in the morning usually mm -hmm. so on a daily basis. So uh, we tried out with two and it, we learned a lot about how to explain the writing part of things, the part of things like how to write in the right tone, what vocabulary to use, how to style things. Mm -hmm. uh, but we've also learned that, for the long term, you do need someone who can be there at a certain time in the morning or, you know, depending on how we decide on the workflow, usually in the morning for us, uh, to be able to uh, send out the newsletter or schedule it as it should be, uh, which a student could not do uh, just because of, you know, their timetable. They have to go to attend courses yeah, and seminars like, and stuff. So, and their commitment. Yeah. Uh, at, yeah. And at that point, we said, look, uh, since we don't want to hire necessarily in Vienna anyway, we don't need, um, like we don't have an office. We don't plan on getting an office. Let's do this. Let's send out to our, like in one of the parts of the newsletter, we said that we're looking for writers mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, that's how we have our current team of uh, like two main writers that work on a daily basis, like weekday basis, daily basis. They're both readers. They both were readers of the newsletter and now they're writers mm -hmm. of the newsletter. So that also helps a lot with the tone because they knew exactly what we were about. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it was much easier to explain to them a few things, a few principles. And then out of that with, you know, very, uh, very frequent iterations because, you know, being a daily newsletter, you get to practice a lot. So in yeah. a couple of yeah. months they were, really good and almost unrecognizable compared to how it was before i think uh, or like you you wouldn't tell the difference between how i used to write it when i was the main writer and then how they write it now i think they might even do a better job with a lot of things because i kind of got out of uh, the daily writing part yeah and they managed to focus more on it and improve step by step so yeah that's good i mean being a full um i guess remote company uh how do you kind of build company culture? What kind of communication tools do you use uh, to kind of close that gap of distance, but still keep everybody on the same page in terms of company goals, company policies, mm -hmm. company culture? How did, how are you 
how do you get over those barriers of, of not seeing each other on a daily basis, but everybody's still working towards that same goal? Well, so one thing is we use Slack and we're very connected there because everyone is online, let's say almost all the time. Like, of course, even if you're minding your own business, like you're outside of work, you still can check your phone. Like, you know, when you check Facebook, Instagram, you can check mm -hmm. Slack. That's kind of yeah. um, a thing that everyone, um, on the team does and, and it's not because okay if i find something i'll do it right away it's not like a work pressure thing it's just like mm, okay it's update from some people that i know or like well see what i'll do tomorrow about it see what's up or for example the uh, we have a channel specifically for sharing content that we want to curate for the newsletter right so you see a good article on facebook something in a group you see something on twitter you mm -hmm. share it there so it's like um, a good way to have communication going even if it's not um, even if it's kind of short and to, uh, focused, it's kind of also good, right? Because it's very much, there's a very little, mm, how can I call it? There's very little water cooler chat, you know? So yeah, yeah. pretty much all the conversations are very focused, which, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it has these upsides that everyone is kind of focused on what we have to do. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's one part. Of course, we also have regular calls, not just the conversations in uh, Slack and text. Um, and then the other thing is trying to make very clear, like these are the two or three priority things and that's it. So like making, making sure that there's not like a huge list of things to do, making sure that the priorities are very clear overall and there's two or, two or three of them that everyone can keep in mind. And then uh, that's, um, that helps a lot. And then in terms of culture, I think having, at least from my side and people who were around a little bit before, just keeping it uh, simple in the sense of, you know, try to create the workplace that you would really like to work in as well. So, you know, mm -hmm. That that's it's simple to say, harder to, hard do, to do, but yeah. it works out by yeah. It, but it works out with like very clear communication and also being very focused on you know factual um, like on facts on uh, objective reality. Like looking okay, so this is what happened. Let's say if um, you know our newsletter gets sent into spam, we have a lower open rate one time, right? Because this happened yeah. especially in the first year. Okay, so what happened? What were the mistakes? It's not like who made a mistake. It's like, okay, what were the mistakes? Okay, did we yeah. have any sort of check in our processes for that? Like, do we test to make sure that that doesn't happen? And um, it's never like the person did something wrong. It's like, okay, what's the process? Did, the, did, the, did we all follow the process? And if we didn't, then it's like, okay, certain people have to follow the process. But if it's the process that's wrong, we just adjust that and that's it. So there's no... We try to not, at least from my uh, part, to not be very emotional with people in the sense of like, okay, if something went wrong, trying to blame people. I think that's very important. And I think that's, it's less common than I would have hoped for, but mm -hmm. uh, it works really well for us. So, and also we do try to see each other, or like at least <laughs> some of ourselves once in a while. So, yeah. Uh, but the funny that. thing is that out of everyone, I did not meet everyone in person. So mm -hmm. there's no... <laughs> There's one person that I haven't met, but he's uh, someone that I know from my poker days. So I've spoke with him. I've spoken with him a lot, just never in person. So it's a it's a funny situation. Yeah, I mean, hopefully 2020, you guys will be able to to meet. 
Uh, we'll see. I mean, the, the other thing is everyone has their lives as well, right? So we get along for we get along pretty well for work. And when I see someone in the team, like, yeah, we're, we can also be friendly with each other. But at the same time, I think one cool thing about working remotely is that you can still have your own life without having to be too attached to work yeah. in a way. So uh, mm-hmm. I haven't experienced this myself. But I've seen a few, let's say, case studies where companies try to make people fall in love too much with work in the sense that they don't leave work at home. Like they feel too connected to their workplace. Yeah. And I I think that's risky. So, yeah. So I think that's a little bit risky. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mean, I've been in a situation where I would say uh, I brought my work not only home with me, but wherever I went. Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, it was, uh, I guess the results were good. I was performing well, but at the same time, like I didn't, I didn't have a life either. Um, and now that I kind of, um, took a step back and I left that company and I'm, you know, working remotely, uh, for WeWe now, um, the balance between work life is, is a lot better. And just because you don't put in as many log as many hours per se, that doesn't mean the quality of your work drops either. Um, sometimes when you spend a little less time, but it's fully focused, you get better results as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. And another pro of, uh, of like remote work is that, you know, if it's remote, it doesn't matter if you're working remotely from your usual home or if you're traveling. So mm-hmm. that's something that I think a lot of people enjoy, uh, at least on our team. So, mm-hmm. at, in general with uh, when it comes to remote teams so whether you're working from you know like vienna austria whether you're going to thailand or whether you're going to the philippines whether you're going to you know canada whatever you want you can kind of adjust things and uh, still do your job and it's all good so um when since you guys put out a, a newsletter every single day um how far ahead do you guys plan in content and, and kind of what is your team's process of uh, scouring or gathering all this type of content and, and curing it into your newsletter. Uh, you know, describe your process a bit because it's, you know, very content based. So that means you have to find things very quickly, be the first ones out with it. Um, is it, is it your writers that find the content or do you also have a team for that as well? Uh, well, the process, uh, you know, like usually the, the, the most, like the simplest solution is uh, the best one or like the most obvious one is the one that we do. And, that's the case here. So uh, we actually look for content every morning, European time. Mm-hmm. So, um, and the way we look for it is we, it's kind of like, if you think about it, okay, if you, if you're the sort of person who, when they wake up, wants to look for what, what's happening, like they check their emails, they check the news, mm-hmm. they check Facebook groups. Mm-hmm. That's basically what we do. So we actually go through all the content that we would regularly consume we have a list of websites and Facebook groups and uh, such that we would uh, check specifically to make sure that we mm-hmm. didn't miss something important. There's a list of like 50 or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go through each of them and then we just see like, okay, so this is important. This is important. We share them all together in a channel. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. uh, the writers basically decide, okay, these are the things that we include and this is how we would include them. So um, it seems pretty obvious. Like we don't, we don't prepare too much in advance because if we would prepare in advance, we wouldn't have the latest news, right? That's one thing. Um, and the other thing is if you prepare in advance, 
then you don't know what's the the news that comes next that you fit in there. So it's usually like literally an update. Let's say I'm your friend who just likes to read the news and then we meet for a coffee and then I explain to you what's going on during the day. So that's mm-hmm. the sort of feeling that we want the newsletter to have. We don't want to have the feeling that, okay, this is super prepared for like two weeks in advance. And yeah. um, it, it, it becomes a little bit more becomes less news and it becomes more content doesn't mean it's going to be bad Uh, but the whole point of us is to be news oriented Mm -hmm. Uh, so latest and most important things uh, that have been happening so yeah that's basically what we do and the writers are the ones who also look for that and are responsible for deciding you know what goes in what doesn't go in so um i guess i think we touched upon it uh earlier in the conversation and um, I wanted to ask you a question, like sometimes when quote unquote gurus move from being an affiliate to a coach, uh, they stop, they sometimes stop running campaigns over time and uh, what they teach becomes dated and irrelevant because, you know, they're not, they don't really have their feet on the ground. They're not really in the trenches running campaigns daily. Um, do you still run campaigns on the side to kind of keep you sharp and, and getting a affiliate's point of view and kind of going through their emotions so they can so you can kind of see what would relate to them or how do you kind of stay um, in the mix, I would say? Uh, so I don't run any affiliate campaigns anymore. What I do is we do have some campaigns up and running for the newsletter itself on Facebook. So getting to mm-hmm. learn more about Facebook ads with your own product, which is fairly interesting and it's a little bit different from uh, your typical affiliate campaigns. And the yeah. other thing that I just do is I actually keep in touch with people who do run their campaigns and are pretty much some of the the ones that do it best for different traffic sources. So like a, f- yeah. uh, a few people that run uh, push traffic, for example, I keep in touch with them every once in a while, especially if there's something like a more significant update um, than Facebook, the same uh, native, all these sort of things, just I don't know, once a month or so having a little bit of a conversation to get an idea of what's different compared to what was before from an affiliate's point of view. Um, the good thing is though, since it's all media buying related, mm-hmm. it's still easy enough to kind of transfer those skills. So let's say what I learned from uh, running campaigns for what the app itself, I would know, okay, so these style of ads with these placements would work good for something that's you know, like impulse free, easy to sign up at around this uh, cost per action. Mm-hmm. So then I would be able to say like, okay, you know, if you're doing uh, lead generation, maybe make make sure that you try like Instagram stories or like the stories placement in general, Instagram, Facebook and uh, messenger. Cause that one with like a 10 to 15 seconds video that can be pretty good. People do swipe up more and it, it seems to be converting really well. Just an example. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing, I don't know if you're doing sweeps, if you're doing other sort of lead generation, it might be a good uh, placement to try. So like specialize your creative for that one, make a 10 to 15 seconds video, make sure the landing page is short and to the point and then see how it goes. Just one mm-hmm. example of things, you know, that you can learn by media buying yourself that apply to affiliates as well. So seeing that um, kind of what the app has a bird's eye view of the industry, like you said, you have uh, friends who kind of specialize in certain traffic sources. So you kind of see the best of uh, the industry through, um, you know, the industry leaders. Uh, what type of trends do you see um, coming up in 2020 uh, for affiliate marketing in general, like verticals on the decline, verticals on the incline, and kind of what traffic sources 
uh, do you see, uh, I guess, picking up this year? Well, verticals that are not doing so well. Uh, I think a lot of, I'm not even sure how much utilities are around. Like they still exist and I heard people running them, but it's not like the huge thing that works now. Mm-hmm. And then one vertical that suffered a lot of changes is neutral. Like it's still important yeah. and it's still big, but it's not so much with the trials after what happened in the past, like one and a half years with MasterCard, yeah. with subscriptions and everything like that. Mm-hmm. It, it's more towards straight sales. So that's like the one obvious thing or like the two obvious ones. Yeah. I've that, seen keto us, you know, is straight sale is still kicking, but uh, yeah, like mm-hmm. you said, the trial game has almost come to a halt. The payouts have dropped. Um, and you know, you even see big, uh, pioneers in the Nutri game, like Jumbleberry, you know, open up, uh, a more e-com division with their D to C carousel division. Yeah. And you see that, you know, this is, you know, Jumbleberry was a, a leader in, in Nutra and you can see them making adjustments to their business model because of the effect of the past year and a half of, of what's going on. So it definitely Nutra is, is on I would say a decline, but what do you see Especially coming compared up? compared to how big it was, how it went before. Yeah. Like that's the, it's like the relative thing, right? Mm-hmm. Or like how and much what, it changed compared to what people are used to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think everybody before was maybe just a little bit spoiled seeing, you know, the type <laughs> of numbers they were doing before compared to now. And, um, but what do you see uh, getting some light this year? Uh, well, it seems lead generation of all sorts, from sweepstakes to uh, like if you're doing a biz off, if you're doing a solar, whatever has to do, whatever is like just generating leads seems to be doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's like two reasons. One, it can run on Facebook and uh, native and push, like you can run on kind of almost any traffic source, depending on the specific lead as well as email that too. you're doing. Email does well. Yeah, exactly. Those, uh... So like you basically can run it anywhere. Uh, and the other thing is, uh, since it's generating leads, you can generate leads for different sort of businesses. So it's like mm-hmm. you can be you can be in different niches. Uh, so it it oh and yeah, the other important thing is since it's lead generation, people sign up more often, so you get more data quickly. So people have data to work with. Even for mm-hmm. Facebook, I spoke to a few people, uh, and I heard mentioned in a group as well that. You know, e-commerce on Facebook is usually a little bit more difficult or it requires a little bit more patience, more more money to run the campaigns because it doesn't convert as quickly as something like Legion where you get the data quicker, the algorithm can help you target your audience better because you get those conversions in, and, you know, like Facebook's machine learning, the more you convert, the better it knows what to uh, target. Mm-hmm. So these sort of things make Legion a pretty good option overall. Um, flexible always people always looking for it now it mm-hmm. depends of course what you want to specialize in because that is super broad yeah very, very broad something you can uh, uh you can find a place in and then you also mentioned it from jumbleberry like ecom yeah um i think over time more and more affiliate networks specializing on e-commerce offers where they even offer maybe like um rev share or something happen mm-hmm. come up more and more so there are some that offer rev share, some that offer CPS, so like a share of the sale. Or mm-hmm. actually, there are a few that offer even you know based on their lifetime value of a certain offer or a certain product, they just offer you like you know one point five minimum sale uh, mm-hmm. price or something like minimum order or something like that. 
And I think the more data these sort of networks gather and these store and products gather, the more they will look into affiliates as well. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I told... Uh, it's been something that I've seen a lot. Yeah, I totally agree with you in terms of e-commerce being... I mean, it, it was popular. It started gaining a lot of traction uh, a couple of years ago within our industry. I mean, e-com has been around forever, but now kind of the affiliate style, performance marketing style, and also advertising tactics are... Um, being implemented running e-com offers and those you know mixing those two worlds together um, is pretty scalable and you you see uh, other networks um, you know picking up on it and doing very well over the past couple of years uh, with e-com yeah and also uh, the important part is like not getting affiliates to start their own store because I think that's mm -hmm. that's a different ballpark and I think that's gonna decline way more over time because there are many that tried but they see the challenges with you know, customer service, fulfillment, all these sort of things. Yeah, it, yeah. it's tricky. For sure. And I feel like sometimes, uh, you know, affiliates, um, not all, but some affiliates, you know, should just stick to running traffic. Uh, and, and, you know, that's what they're good at. Uh, and like you mm -hmm. said, there's a lot of moving parts when you actually become, uh, you know, a store. Like you said, customer service is something that people are not used to. You know, usually affiliates are want to be hidden. Now you have to have a customer service and, um, and all, you know, basically watching all aspects of the business when you, when you do that. So, yeah, um, I, I also agree with you on that point as well. Um, so one thing that I wanted to ask you a bit is that, you know, during last year, 2019, I, I used to see tons of ads, you know, I'm pretty sure you saw it too. Is, is affiliate marketing dead? Um, was a popular ad this year. And obviously it's, it's not dead, but it's become mm -hmm. harder and harder since I've, you know, come in. Uh, a few years ago, uh, every year there seems to be uh, an issue and things get harder. And um, do you still feel that affiliate marketing is a sustainable business and a scalable business? Is it something that you would recommend a newer affiliate to kind of jump into? Uh, well, it depends on the expectations because, right, we, we always have these cycles where there's a boom and everyone is making like easy money and a, quite, a good, quite a good amount of it. And then when it gets more difficult, um, yeah, as it gets more difficult, less money needs to put in more work for the same results or even worse results. So mm -hmm. I think one, uh, even over, it's only five years because there are people who've been in the industry for more plus yeah. years, right? But even, yeah, yeah. yeah, but even in just these five years, what I've noticed is that you kind of have to, if you really want to make it work, you have to always be testing things. Because then, um, you know, when you hear about things working really well on Facebook or, you know, in uh, communities, even if they're paid communities like SDM, mm -hmm. when you hear about them there, they're usually not growing anymore. They kind of hit their peak and they might be starting to decline soon. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. that's the thing. I think it's still pretty much doable to always have pretty decent recurring revenue with it. Of course, there's mm -hmm. a little bit of work involved, like if what are your, whatever your traffic source is. And then yeah. always looking for these new opportunities that haven't been completely saturated yet. So most mm -hmm. recently, it's probably like push traffic. Like it's still working now. People are still making it work and making good money with it. But imagine when people didn't talk about it and people were running, you know, yeah. way yeah. more of it, uh, mm -hmm. like building their own lists and stuff like that. Like two years ago, people were still doing push notifications already, but very few yeah. were talking about it. Mm -hmm. So that's the difference. Like that's who the, the first few movers are the ones who will really be the ones taking advantage of that next boom. 
Yeah. That yeah. part, I don't know. Like what, what's going to be the next boom? I don't know. If I knew, I would probably try to, uh, you know, take advantage of it. But uh, I'm, I'm not, I don't have my ear on the ground as much for that part because I don't know all the technical things that you might try, let's say, you know, with native ads, with I, what sequences. I do feel, like, yeah. I do feel that something that's on the come up this year is, is going to be TikTok. Um, and finding a way to to monetize that and advertise on it because it's it's a platform that's growing rapidly. Um, it is a younger demo, but I feel that TikTok is I wouldn't say the new Instagram, but it's definitely a social media platform that we as digital marketers should pay attention to and, and try to find our way in uh, to figure out how to um, mix affiliate marketing into it. Are you yeah, familiar with TikTok? Uh, well, I don't have a user account, but I'm familiar with like what it does and how people mm. go viral there and stuff like that. I just like yeah. as a user, I'm I'm not there yet. <laughs> well, I've, I haven't made a video either, but I'm just, yeah. as you know, I I do kind of I do have an account, and I just oh, so you're just following basically, right? I'm just yeah, I'm just spying right now, uh, just trying to see what's up and and what it yeah, what the I hype think is it all does about. have a lot of potential too. Uh, mm-hmm. It just, it, it's a question of when and how like they uh, open up the gates to more advertisers, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. It, like influencers and trying to go viral, even though some affiliates can do it, like they know that, uh, you know, their skill is uh, the creative part of things. So they might be able to mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. But most affiliates are good media buyers. Like they know how to buy traffic, optimize it, balance yeah, like yeah. impression with traffic quality and stuff like that. And as long mm-hmm. as they don't, they cannot say like, okay, for this amount of money, put me in front of all the people you can. Mm-hmm. I think they won't be able to crack it. So it's a question of when they open it. Uh, the Snapchat was one that was talked about a little bit, but the main Snapchat, thing yeah. that I've heard is it's good, but obviously it has so, so little scale compared to Facebook. It's not bad. You can make money with mm-hmm. it. You have to find, you know, what sort of products you promote there but mm-hmm. it's not going to make you, you know, the super high numbers you've heard from Facebook before. TikTok is now the, the star that could, you know, uh, compare that reach with like Instagram, for example, and have something mm-hmm. uh, of a competition there and see. I also I'm hear my that. I'm eye on it, but yeah, not, not uh, it's always like it's every year there's a new app that kind of can be really good. So yeah, that's the, the trend that I've seen. I also see that uh, Pinterest is um, something that a lot of affiliates are focusing on uh, lately. Not a lot, but a few that they talk about it. And it does um, for, for e-com and for the women demographic, it is. Yeah, yeah, I think it's like one of the only social networks with majority having female users, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, so, that's also another hidden gem that I would feel is not too saturated right now. You just have to have the right uh, offer for, for that demo. Yeah, yeah. So uh, if we fast forward five years from now, um, what would you say, like, what, what's your vision for, for what the app and kind of where do you want to take this company? How big do you want it to, to grow? And uh, yeah, I'm just really interested in kind of the vision you have for, for your company. Uh, well, so the more we, we look into the future, the harder it is to define because one thing is planning and the other thing is actually executing based on what what sort of information you have available then. So mm-hmm. it's going to be pretty vague, I would guess. But what I would want it to be is kind of like, um, okay, if you're an affiliate or nowadays it seems that a lot of people who are not affiliates or are just like inter- interested in um, the performance aspect of things. So like direct response, whether they're doing uh, 
e-com by themselves, whether they're an agency, anyone that kind of does performance marketing, whether it's mm -hmm. as an affiliate basis or any other basis. Uh, we have a lot of such readers. It's like 90% of our readership. Uh, so the way I would uh, want to see it as soon as possible, whether that's going to be in five years or sooner or later, is kind of if you're into the industry, there's going to be a few things that you have to do uh, to make sure that you're like uh, up to date. And one of them should be to sign up to uh, what the F. So, mm -hmm. you know, if you're an affiliate, you typically hear like, okay, you have to attend Affiliate Summit, Affiliate World, you have to sign up to STM Forum or Aflift or uh, Affiliate Fix, whatever people recommend. But I just, I think the coolest thing would be to be on that list for many people and be like, okay, yeah, if you're in this industry, you have to have these things. So, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Sign up to what you have and sign up to these affiliate networks or this spy mm -hmm. tool. Kind of like I want to be one of the go-to for the industry uh, for yeah. just about anyone. That that's the overall goal, and we'll see how uh, how we can achieve that. Well, like like you said, it's 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 all about execution. And if you if you know if you're consistent at what you do, you obviously seen growth from year one to year two. So uh, yeah, I think you guys could be one of those staples in the industry name. So this kind of parlays into our next seg segment of in their shoes type segment. So place yourself as a, an affiliate now, um, okay. a, a brand new affiliate, you know, you, you know, come across a lot of these ads or you come across, you know, the forum uh, or maybe one of your friends is in the industry. Um, where would you start? You know, kind of what forums do you feel provide the best knowledge uh, what verticals would you start with? What tools do you say is must have for, for an affiliate? Um, I guess there's a whole bunch of uh, coaches out there these days. What coach are you a kind of a fan of or are you close with that you feel that they, they provide a good value for, for their buck? And, uh, and what networks do you, would you kind of start with? Uh, okay, that's a lot. Which one was the first yeah. one? Forums? Uh, yeah, what forums do, would you visit and try, I mean, I know you have a history with STM, but is, is there any other form that you feel that, you know, provides a, a good amount of knowledge for a newbie starting out? Uh, so STM form would definitely still be one of the high ones on my list. Then if you, so it kind of depends, like if you're really new and the newer you are, I think the more I would lean towards Afflift. Because mm -hmm. uh, the thing with Afflift is, it, so it started by Luke, who was known as Luke Purefly. So he yeah, was yeah. Uh, the CMO of Purefly. Yeah, um, the one-man wrecking shoe uh, crew. He yeah, used to yeah. <laughs> so he's very active on the forum, and you get a lot of direct input from him, which is really valuable to have that, um, uh, and because he's focusing a lot on first steps for newbies. So I think, especially since it's, I think five times cheaper or so than STM. Afflift mm -hmm. is an interesting option. Um, but once you're like more certain and you wanna, when you're looking more towards like, okay, how do I scale this campaign? How do I scale this business? How do I hire? How do I stay up to date with more interesting loopholes in the industry? I think STM becomes a little bit more interesting than that. But at the same mm -hmm. time, if you have, let's say a few thousand dollars that you can spend on tools and education, not on running traffic. So that's a separate budget. Mm -hmm. I would still say just get both of them, stay there for like a month or I don't know if you can decide in a few days and then give up the one that you see that is not so good for you. Because uh, the mm -hmm. upside with SCM is uh, you still get a lot of um, up-to-date info from people running campaigns. 
uh, up-to-date tutorials on more than just one traffic source. So like Afflift is pretty good when it comes to, I think the latest guy that's really popular there is about pop traffic, like how to get started, get some conversions, get things going. But STM has a bit more that has to do with push and Facebook um, and they're just providing more and more. It's kind of the difference, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Luke is super dedicated and, but he's like one person who is doing a lot of himself. Yeah. And STM is a bigger team that has people who can, you know, pull the different levers in the whole, uh, mm -hmm. in the whole content side of things. Uh, what was the next one? <laughs> the next one would be kind of what would be your affiliate um, stack as in tools and resources that you use, spy tools, uh, tracking mm -hmm. platform that you kind of recommend or any of the, yeah, the, the software that's needed to be a successful affiliate. Well, that's where affiliates are really spoiled. So it's hard to name just like, okay, one specific one. It kind of depends so for example, spy tools, what are you mm -hmm. running? So what sort of traffic are you running? In some cases that Plexity might be good. If you're running Facebook, Magic Ads is probably like the best solution there. If you're running uh, Push or uh, Native, maybe Anstrex is better. Uh, mm -hmm. Even for Facebook, there's, uh, I forgot the name of it. Uh, push, something, no, not ads. Spy. Uh, there's so many of them. So basically mm -hmm. you have a spy tool, but you have to think, which one what is best you for, your, for your traffic source? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's the first question, I think. Uh, and spy tool would probably be very high on my list because even without a community, for example, if you have a spy tool and you're somewhat, uh, somewhat knowledgeable when it comes to technical things, you can, probably, you can probably work things out without having too much input from, from other people on the forum. Mm -hmm. Let's say you have one or two friends you can uh, work with. Um, and aside from that uh tracker this is where affiliates are the most spoiled nowadays like i mm -hmm. i started when volume was already around but mm -hmm. even for me it's hard to imagine when people had to do self-hosted and set up their own servers with uh, yeah like prosper 202 and stuff yeah so now it's like there's volume there's uh, thrive there's red track one that's been really getting really positive reviews lately is kintura mm -hmm. which uh uh, has a lot of machine learning added to it. So it's kind of like if you're buying push traffic and you have 10 paths in uh, your campaign, mm -hmm. it will decide on a click-by-click -click basis where to send that user that's more likely to convert or like maximize your EPC. So there's a few people who did test and it's like it's working pretty well. Um, it, again, like it depends like this. And then also budget as well. Kintura is usually more on the expensive side. They focus on higher volume media buyers. Volume has a broad range of things. Um, mm -hmm. Then you have RedTrack, who's focusing on broad, but on a lower price level, which is probably very good for beginners to get their, uh, get their kind of like feet wet in there. And all of them are uh, software as a service. You don't have to do anything. Like they just get set up for you and you use them, right? That's a huge benefit. If you're more technical, then you have another like three or four choices you can add there. It's just very insane. I would say like a safe one would be something like volume because it's people are very familiar with. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and it's Still like a more popular let's one. Say, yeah, yeah, it's popular and it's like everyone will know how to explain stuff in volume. So if you learn yeah, volume, yeah. you'll be able to tell Eddie other tracker. And if you have questions, everyone has used volume and can, they can help you with it. And then of mm -hmm. course, when you specialize, you'll probably have to look into a few other solutions. 
like FunnelFlux is one that I know is very used by people who run email because of how you can build funnels and track lifetime value or something like that. It's just so specific, but it's kind of like, as I said, as I said um, you can be pretty spoiled nowadays. Of course, none of them are like super perfect for everyone, but uh, there's way more choices than before. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. What do you feel is the most uh, affiliate friendly or newbie friendly traffic source if you're going to start out? Traffic sources. Mm, I think most of the push traffic sources are probably the easiest one. You have like a lower deposit limit for them as well. Mm -hmm. And since traffic is cheaper there, it just, it's easier to, um, to start off, you know, learn how to set up a campaign, how to set up your funnel. So you don't send clicks into the abyss and you just lose all your money. You don't want to do that on Facebook when you get your, cause you get your account ban as well, right? Like there's a few things like that. Mm -hmm. So most of the push traffic sources nowadays that you see, I think are, would be my go-to. Uh, and I guess is you know, like there's, there's tons of online, uh, coaches coming out, uh, you know, every year and some, some fall off from the previous year. Uh, are there any mm -hmm. courses that you took that you're a fan of or that you recommend in terms of, uh, uh online coach? Mm, nowadays, I don't see that much being out there. I think it's a lot about signing up to a spy tool, uh, yeah. trying some stuff out and then, you know, iterating from there. So see what you find on whatever spy tool you choose, try mm -hmm. it out and then learn from that. Like if it gets you some ROI, if it doesn't, that's where you probably don't need like a coach, but if you, if you make a sort of live case study on any forum, you'll probably get enough feedback to be like, okay, this is where you should change. This is where you should be careful. This is where you can improve. Um, mm -hmm. and you don't need like an actual coach or, uh, any sort of course that teaches you A to Z if you just try to copy first and then get input from, uh, from the community how to uh, improve. And then you, after a few weeks, things start to click in your mind usually. Mm -hmm. All right, so that kind of brings us to uh, the next part of In Their Shoes segment. And if you are an affiliate network, um, mm -hmm. and obviously affiliate networks um, is a very competitive landscape. And you know, over the last couple of years you see kind of the the bigger names or the kind of the first people that uh, the first bigger networks kind of fold and and actually go out of business last year mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. I guess what do you see uh, I guess if you were an affiliate network owner how would you kind of position yourself differently or how would you attract affiliates um, this year and kind of how do you see I guess what, what would be your differentiator? What would, what would you try to do to make yourself different and stand out from the tons of affiliate networks that are out there? Hmm. Well, it's definitely difficult because if it were easy, everyone would be doing it right now. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> um, I think first off I would probably, hmm. well, the more obvious thing is, definitely provide offers in verticals that are working well right now. So mm -hmm. if you're sure. a very established, if you're very established in a certain niche, that's fine. But if you're, let's say a new affiliate network, definitely make mm -hmm. sure that the vertical you're choosing, you're very established in it or uh, that mm -hmm. not established, but like you're very focused on it and show that you can provide specific in specific advantages there, whether that's mm -hmm. e-com dating crypto, I don't know, like, Mm -hmm. it, it, each uh, vertical has a different challenge, right? So, especially from a network side of things. 
then probably what I've seen a lot of networks do is try to become more exclusive with their offers or trying to own their own offers, like become advertiser yeah. plus affiliate network. Yeah. Uh -huh. Then you have more margin that you can actually give as a payout to affiliates, right? So mm -hmm. um, I would probably try that as well. And then mm -hmm. uh, one thing on the list that's probably underrated to some extent is um, like affiliate manager management customer service type thing so how you interact with your affiliates how mm -hmm. um, how hand oh, not necessarily hands-on but how knowledgeable are you when it comes to what sort of input you give them um yeah what to do yeah. Um, mm -hmm. probably a little bit of education as a, like making a small educational platform about the verticals yeah. that or like the traffic sources that you run i think those are the the things you can really get to differentiate yourself because so for example let's say you have a guide about, I don't know, push traffic because it's like the thing that a lot of people would try out these days and can try it out. Recently. We actually have an ebook that we ran with yeah, you guys. Yeah. And that was yeah, pretty successful, by it. the way. Yeah, yeah. we and got a I, lot of leads. I know the example for it, right? So like, <laughs> it's, it's, I, that's why I even said, yeah, that's a very good one. Definitely a good idea to run that. So we've seen, the, we've seen some of the feedback for that as well, but also even without it, right? You would think, okay, what's what's a traffic source that a lot of people would run that's still flexible okay now it's push traffic let's put out some step-by-step -step tutorial to get people to make their first dollars online with push traffic with our network and then of course not everyone will succeed but if you have you know five ten good affiliates out of that that can make three figures a day in revenue and you can help them to grow from there Mm -hmm. then you probably can differentiate yourself. Of course, you need the offers to keep them there because as soon as uh, they know how to run traffic, they will look for the best payouts and or like the best revenue for them, the best profit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you have, you know, comparable edge when it comes to offers, teaching mm -hmm. people how to make money, but without, yeah. you know, them, it's probably a good one. And it's, it's not super easy because as we said, things change really quickly. So yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think that ebook is a very good example of uh, mm -hmm. something to check out for everyone who's like thinking about testing push traffic, even if they did something else. I guess yeah. you can probably link it in the uh, podcast somewhere, right? In the description. Oh, yeah. It's in the description if you guys missed it. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. So the next one, if you did not, you know, if you weren't the, the founder of uh, What the F um, and you were an advertiser and you're going to own your own offer in 2020, what kind of offer would it be and why? Uh, this is tough, but can I still use some of the knowledge I have with what you have to do it? Yeah, of course. Okay. So it'd probably be an app. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would think about how to do some sort of content related app where I could mm -hmm. apply the say some of the principles. And then I know that a free app can still be, you know, you can get data quickly on advertising it. And I don't know, for example, if I would have to do Nutra, I don't know much about it. If I would have to do ecom and other things i know there's a lot of customer service to focus on lead gen mm -hmm. probably something interesting but i wouldn't know how especially being from europe this the concept of like selling leads is way trickier for me because mm -hmm. uh, i know in the u.s there are people who even just sell uh, email lists because they can they're legally allowed to do that in many situations while in europe it's like a default no so i wouldn't know mm -hmm. where to start off with it so apps would be the one where i kind of would see myself um trying out some stuff like content apps i don't know you know think next nine gag but yeah different i don't know that that would be something that i would probably experiment with but i wouldn't have an answer because 
Yeah, I, I didn't look so much into that. Yeah, yeah it's just, uh, you know, just a ballpark question and kind of situational yeah, yeah. question. But I don't know if it would be a good affiliate offer. See, like, that's the thing. It's something that I would try to do and then promote it, but I'm not sure how I would be able to get affiliates on board to promote it. I mean, but, that's yeah. uh, also kind of like the evolution, I would say, of like the, the industry of you kind of see some stuff and you kind of venture off because like I came in around the same time as you and a lot of the, I used to be an affiliate manager um, mm -hmm. and a lot of the affiliates that I work with now are then, you know, are, are not really in this space anymore or they don't really, you know, they kind of keep an eye on it, but it's not their main focus anymore. So I was like, you know, even though you have your own app and you're like, I don't know if affiliates would run it, but yeah, you know, you kind of see some things here and you take it to your next, your next destination or your next venture. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, so it kind of ends that segment and we can kind of, um, move on to kind of, uh, the rapid fire, a new, a new fun, fun thing that we're kind of do this year. So I'll just name a few questions and just name the first thing that pops into your head. All right. And then we could okay. kind of wrap it up. I mean, it was, it was a lot of heavy content that we, that we went over and, you know, you dropped a lot of, um, knowledge and kind of your story. So let's just end it off on a kind of a light note. All right. Sounds so good. number one, name a favorite book that you've read. Oh, your favorite book? Uh, the Social Animal. Uh, it's a psychology book. It's kind of like the go-to book for uh, social psychology. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I think it touches on a lot of good things that have to do with, you know, how to, with human psychology, both in your day-to-day -day life. It's helpful, but also as a marketer, it helps even more so. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, growing up, what was your childhood dream job? Uh, I had two that I which between when I was like four or five years old. So like that, uh, either a police officer or pilot. So wow. like when seeing, uh, when seeing a plane, uh, uh, I was like, okay, it's cool to be a pilot. And otherwise like, oh yeah, police is cool. Cause they can uh, do stuff. They have those uniforms and you know, I think yeah. it's probably a lot of kids had that. <laughs> yeah. So are you a morning or night person? morning but uh funny story i became a morning person so starting affiliate marketing because i had to wake up early enough to talk to my chinese affiliate managers all the time so <laughs> i was gonna say morning because you know that's where you, you, you mentioned doing all your roundup and, and getting the the newsletter together in the morning i i stayed and that helped right imagine if i would wake up at 1 p.m like nothing yeah. wrong with that if you're a night person but it wouldn't work for this uh, sort of uh, project now <laughs> so uh what is one item you can't live without uh, it's probably my phone, probably my laptop, one of the two. Okay. Uh, what's the last movie you watched? Uh, Jumanji, the new one. I forgot the name of it. Uh, like the, the one, one in December that came out in December. Yeah, yeah. Was it funny? Um, it was all right. Like I laughed a little bit. It's not like, oh, wow, this is a comedy I'll always watch. It's a classic, but it's a good one. Like a nice, uh, a nice way to spend like a couple of hours and chilling out. So yeah, would definitely recommend it if you haven't seen it yet. So this one, and you don't have like a lot of good ones you want to see, you know, uh, this one's a little bit deeper. What's your biggest fear? Um, hmm. Well, used to be heights, but it got a little bit used to that. So I think it's uh, like drowning, like high waters and stuff because I, I can't swim. So I'm like, yeah, that's, that's how I end. <laughs> uh, favorite holiday destination? Mm, Thailand, I think. Thailand. Ah. Yeah. That's nice. Any specific island in Thailand? Mm, 
I always change my mind. Like Phuket is nice, but sometimes I want the convenience of Bangkok. Uh, mm-hmm. In February, I'm going to Chiang Mai. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think Thailand has a good mix of everything. That if you're like a nature person that wants to like uh, go hiking, you have that. You have the beaches. You have the nice weather. So probably uh, that's why it's one of my favorite destinations. Next one is uh, who's your biggest role model? Mm. Someone you look up. Well. Someone in the industry that I, I mean, I don't know how many people know him. You have to know, you have to be on the STM forum to know him, but uh, his username is CM Deal. So I would say that would be the person that I've interacted most with that I still view as a role model and mm-hmm. not so much about, you know, people that I haven't met. It's a little bit difficult because you can say, you know, Zuckerberg, Musk or yeah. Bezos, yeah. whatever, but you don't really know them as a person enough yeah. or you haven't seen them hands-on when they do certain things in the industry mm-hmm. so yeah okay and uh i guess what is your favorite quote or a mantra that you live by mm. i think i still like the pretty popular quote uh, the best way to predict the future is to create it mm. so i just think it's like it's still good not necessarily in the sense that you want to predict it but it's more like yeah the future is kind of what you try to make out of it. So if you if you do the right things, it's probably going to be good. If you don't, it, you might have some uh, unpleasant surprises. So <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, how I kind of view it. All right, and that kind of wraps up uh, today's episode, podcast episode. And uh, honestly, couldn't think of a better way to start off twenty twenty. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to say before we close it out? No, uh, that that was great. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, I hope the listeners enjoy it. If they want to reach out for anything, yeah, they can. I'm pretty open and I try to reply to just about any message. Um, so yeah, yeah hopefully and they you, enjoyed it as well. Oh, for sure, for sure. And if you guys are out there and listening and you are not subscribed to What The F, what the F are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, thanks a lot, Manu. Um, we'll, we'll catch up and I'll probably see you around at the next trade show or something. Yeah, see you soon. Thanks for having me again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.